0: Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation, a Havast Torah initiative. Today, we pick up with the action-packed 18th parak of Shmuel Bed. David is in the Transjordan, that's where we last left him, but it seems that a major transformation has occurred as David's entourage, which was numbered about 600, uh, 600 men when we last counted, has grown exponentially. Now there are tens of thousands of men prepared to fight for and with David. They require officers, they require generals to manage and to command them in battle. And we find that David is preparing with this massive fighting force to go and confront Avshalom. He's going on the offensive. He divides up his army into three, into three flanks. You have Yoav in charge of a third, Avishai the other, and Itai the final third. And David himself wants to go and fight as well. David learned the lesson that when you send your your soldiers to fight and you stay back, Bad things happen, right? That's what happened. David stayed back in Yerushalayim. He was passive, and it's in that context that he sins with Bathsheba and against Uriah. And so now David is prepared to go and fight and lead the charge. He learned his lesson. However, the people dissuade David from going to fight. And they say, look, David, if you die, the cause is lost. If thousands of us die, okay, but as long as you're living, the cause continues. But if you die, the cause continues. Is lost, And so David accepts that rationale, and he stays back. However, he leaves his three generals with a message, one that he deliberately delivers in a way for everyone to hear. He tells them, please deal kindly with Avshalom. Please don't kill him. David, after all, is his father. And David is in an incredibly difficult situation. And so he asks, please don't kill Avshalom. And with that, the army goes out to fight Avshalom's forces. Much of the battle, we are told, takes place in the forest of Ephraim. It's not totally clear where this is, but the topography that it is a forest really matters because we're told that David's forces are victorious in killing thousands of Avshalom's men, but even more men of Avshalom are killed by the forest than by the sword. The forest becomes the really decisive factor in this victory, the, the men, Afshalom's men, either, they I don't know, they, they get uh, hurt by the branches and the roots. Uh, some of the Mepharshim say that the, the, there were animals in the forest that attacked Afshalom's men. However, it happened, the forest was really a, dis, def, a decisive element in David's victory which of course represents a kind of divine, an obvious divine intervention. Even if it was just David's forces beating Avshalom's, we would understand that that was the result of, of Hashem's will, but this made it all the more obvious, that there was this other element, that the, the ground itself, the earth itself intervened to help David. We then learn that Avshalom himself gets caught up in the farce. The farce affects Avshalom himself as he is riding on his mule, his hair gets caught up, tangled in the the branches, in the thicket, the mule keeps riding, and then there Avshalom is suspended, dangling between heaven and earth. Aside from being a kind of humorous and embarrassing moment for Avshalom to be delivered into the hands of the enemy in this way, it's also a point of great irony. When Avshalom began his revolt, we were told that he has this very impressive mane, which both symbolized and was an element of his incredible beauty and his striking appearance. That striking appearance was important because it was part of his charm. It was part of the way that he endeared himself to the people and attracted followers. And now that very uh, element, that, that tool in his tool belt that, uh, that enabled him to lead this rebellion it now comes to to hurt him. His hair, that beautiful mane, ends up getting tangled up in the brush. Ends up getting tangled up in the in the branches, and it is what ultimately delivers him into the hands of David and his men. So it's very ironic. One of the soldiers sees Avshalom in this state, and he runs over to Yoav and tells him uh, that. Where, where, where Avshalom is. where Abshalom is, And Yoav asks him, did you kill him? I would have rewarded you handsomely if you had killed him. And the man says, essentially, you couldn't pay me enough to kill the king's son. David told us not to. And then Avshalom, uh, y- y- I mean, as the reader, we certainly admire this person's integrity. But, Abshalom, but, uh, but Yoav uh, says, basically, you know, I, I have no time for this. He goes and he quickly kills Avshalom. We'll take a bit more time to think about exactly how he kills him, but let's just appreciate what Yoav is thinking in this moment. Despite his apparent ignorance, we can be sure that Yoav didn't just forget David's words. He knew David wanted Avshalom to live, to be taken alive. But Yoav also knew that David was speaking as Avshalom's father and not as the king in that moment. As a father... This was unimaginably painful. This was a tormenting moment for David. And one can't blame him for asking the generals to deal kindly and gently with Avshalom. But as a king, that was the wrong move. A case in point, uh, the moment Yoav does kill Avshalom, the battle is over. And he tells his forces that they can stop pursuing Avshalom's army, that the civil war can now come to an end. Kill Avshalom, end the civil war, End the rebellion, keep him alive, keep the conflict alive. The right thing for the kingdom is to kill Avshalom. Joab knows this, and he does what he feels he must. With that said, David did say not to, so Joab needs to protect himself a little bit, and that's why he kills him in a in a little bit of a peculiar way. We're told that he throws darts at Absalom at Absalom's heart. So he wounds him, fatally wounds him, but he doesn't fully kill him. It's the group of men that then take him down and fully kill him. And I think in that way, they kind of share the responsibility. No one person is responsible for killing Shalom. They do this in a way where it's a completely shared guilt for this moment to prevent David from blaming any one of them. I think that that's, that's kind of the subtext of this unique way of killing him. We're then told that Avshalom is given an ad hoc kind of unceremonious burial under a pile of stones. And then the question quickly becomes, who tells David? Tzadok's son, Achimatz, has been serving as the go-between, and he he volunteered to go and tell David, but Yoav tells him, maybe sit this one out. Why? It's, It's not just that he doesn't want Achimatz to deliver bad news, that it's uncomfortable. Let's consider what happens when people come and deliver David the news that his enemy, who is the king of Israel, was killed. Well, when it happened in the instance of Shaul, David killed the messenger. And when it happened in the context of Ishbosheth, David did the same thing. The point being, it's not always wise to deliver this type of news to David. And so... Yoav discourages Achimatz from being the messenger, and instead he dispatches a Kushite to go and deliver the message. But Achimatz insists. He runs, and in fact he runs so fast, he surpasses the Kushite. And as Achimatz approaches David, the lens then shifts to David, who is sitting kind of nervously, uh, almost trying to guess what news uh, will come. And uh, I, I think this moment is, is deliberately really protracted by the text to make us feel that nervous sense of, of David waiting, almost like he's waiting in the, in the, in the waiting room of a hospital. He's, just, he's pacing, he's so nervous. There's real fear and vulnerability. And we really feel bad for David, especially because we, we know the news he's about to get. And he thinks that seeing Achimatz in the distance, that perhaps it's even good news. But finally, Achimatz arrives and he tells David that... <clears throat> The, it starts with the good news that his enemies, David's enemies, have been defeated. But when David then asks him specifically about Avshalom, Achimatz balks and says, I don't know. Maybe because he realized how much this was going to hurt and, and really destroy David. And so he doesn't go through with it. He pretends, uh, he, he feigns ignorance here. And then shortly thereafter, the Cushite arrives. He tells David gently, but quite, quite clearly, <clears throat> that Avshalom has been killed, and so ends the barrack. Tomorrow, we will see how David responds and mourns the loss of his son. One can only imagine the mix of emotion that David must feel in this moment. The grief for his son, a sense of relief for his own safety and being restored to the kingship, a sense of anger, a sense of frustration, and certainly a hefty dose of guilt. Knowing that this war was foretold by Natan Hanavi, as a punishment for David's sin against Uriah with Bat That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.